I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This podcast contains explicit language. Hey there, I'm Sam Stein. And I'm Jason Cherkis. And this is another episode of Candidate Confessional. So, in May 2013, this happened. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict. Of crack cocaine. And then in November 2013, this happened. Yes, I have smoked crack cocaine. When, but sir? no, do I? Am I an addict? No. And then one year later, this happened. Troubled Toronto Mayor Rob Ford back in the news again. Another video allegedly showing Ford smoking crack cocaine. There's a pattern. I'm sensing it. That was Rob Ford of Toronto, who was, for a period of time, the most infamous mayor in the world. Uh, this happened after Gawker initially broke the story of Ford's crack abuse, and he became a complete laughingstock. Exactly. He was roasted mercilessly on Jimmy Kimmel. He sat down for this incredibly awkward interview with Matt Lauer. It was tough. It was really bad. And then he was mocked so relentlessly on The Daily Show that you kind of felt like it was almost too easy for Jon Stewart. You felt like Jon Stewart thought that way, too. <laughs> And yet, through it all, Ford was remarkably persistent. I know, this was the most amazing part. The guy refused to resign as mayor, even after the city council removed some of his powers. And then, not only that, he decided he was going to run for another term. And then life got a little complicated for him. Of course. Yeah, of course. Well, so he had to take a leave of absence to enter a drug rehab program, but even more serious than that, he was diagnosed with cancer and had to withdraw from the mayoral race. But this being Ford, he wasn't done with electoral politics. And in the fall of 2014, at the last minute, He jumped into a race for his old seat on the city council. And that brings us to this podcast. No, no, we did not interview Rob Ford. Unfortunately, it would have been great, but he won, which means we can't really interview him for this podcast. We did interview Andre Domiz, the person who took him on in that race and lost. And Domiz wasn't some random guy running for office. He had become a local activist and had even confronted Ford over his racism that summer. He wrote a piece about it and it went viral. But see, Domiz discovered something very quickly, Jason, that it's difficult if not impossible, to take on Rob Ford. Beyond the bluster. Behind the bunting. Past the posters. After the ads. The campaign picks up. And the motorcade moves on. What happens when the votes are counted? And democracy doesn't go your way. This is Candidate Confessional. A HuffPost podcast. I'm Sam Stun. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm Sam Stun. And I'm Jason Cherkis. And we approve this podcast. You know, Jason and I are kind of ignorant Americans in some respects. And so we were wondering if we could start globally here. 
Can you tell us a little bit about Toronto politics and what Ward 2 is like? Uh, Ward 2 is in the northwest corner of Toronto. A lot of Torontonians aren't really even aware of its presence. Um, the thing is, Toronto was uh, merged from several different cities. Uh, so uh, Etobicoke, uh, Toronto proper, and Scarborough were all smashed together by the provincial government a couple of decades back. And so Etobicoke is just sort of like one of those forgotten corners of the city, um, is what we would describe as the inner suburbs. So it's, it's very uh, heavily multicultural. It's one of those areas that you might call, to my annoyance, uh, majority-minority. The majority of people in the area are people of color. Um, unfortunately, you know, the... Uh, the median income in the area is quite a bit lower than the rest of Toronto. It's about $10,000 lower than the average for Toronto. Uh, unfortunately, high school graduation, graduation rates are lower. Um, access to transportation, access to jobs and social services is also very difficult. Uh, daycares are completely packed. So it's one of those areas in Toronto that does need a lot of help. And how exactly did the Ford name become so powerful, both in the city and specifically in Ward 2? Oh, boy. Okay, so Rob Ford is, if nothing else, an effective retail politician. Um, and what he was able to do inside the ward uh, was, quote-unquote, fight for the little guy. What he did was just go out to neighborhoods and ask people what it was that they needed, whether it was, you know, my uh, landlord is not fixing my broken pipes, or we've got a pest problem, or, you know, there's uh, uh, the pipes are frozen and they've burst and nobody's doing anything about it. We need to repair some potholes. He was always on top of it, and that's the one thing you can really give credit for, is that he really knew the people in his neighborhoods. Rob Ford was the kind of guy who kind of in, encapsulated that class warfare, that divide, saying that the downtown elites are basically wasting your money, you're getting nothing out here, you know, we need to stop wasting money on these, these, uh, these useless projects that do nothing for us. And because he has such strong backbone of support in Etobicoke and also in the east end of Toronto and Scarborough, um, he was able to sweep his way into the mayor's office. And just how powerful, I mean, like, I'm trying to get a good analogy, uh, for U.S. listeners, is it like sort of like the Kennedys in Boston, basically? <gasps> oh my God! <laughs> or is it more? Or is it more like Marion Barry in D.C.? I think they would like to style themselves. Well, here's the thing, actually. I I, I found that um, when people started talking about uh, Rob Ford in the same breath as Marion Barry, I found that a little bit insulting because Marion Barry was uh, a, a crusader for his communities, not just in the sense that he was you know going to exploit uh, warfare between geographical and class regions, but you know, he actually put in the work. He actually tried to get better living circumstances for his people. He really cared. Um, Bob Ford, on the other hand, I think, was more exploitative in the way that he uh, he did his politics. You could, I guess, call them like the Kennedys. I don't know that that would really be appropriate. I would say more like, like the Dailies, in a sense. How so? You know, uh, Robin Doug Ford, uh, his brother Doug was the city councilor and also ran for mayor last year. Um, they make a... They, they, they basically ensconced their father, Doug Ford Sr., in, in a, a weird hagiography. Nobody really knew who Doug Ford Sr. was because he was a, uh, what we call a backbencher, um, almost like, a, like a, a state congressman that nobody really knew very much about. He just kind of like, you know, held to himself. Um, but they had, they, they created such this mythology around the guy that everyone says, oh, he's the, the, they're the sons of uh, Doug Ford Sr. So, I think they would like to create for themselves a political dynasty, but I think they've done all of that work themselves, um, basically boasting about how far back the family goes with the Conservative Party and how much they've done for the neighborhoods and so forth. So, yeah, they are a political family, but not the most respectable one. And, and I think there was a line in, in the article that we read in the Huffington Post about, about your race where they literally could just put put a sign up that just says the Ford 
word name, doesn't matter who it is, Doug or Rob or whoever, and the voters will just say, okay, I'm voting for Ford. Like the last name just sort of carried all this weight. Yeah, it does. Um, the, the name does carry a heck of a lot of weight because they keep themselves in the headlines. You know, if you're running against the Ford, you're running against, like, literally against international celebrities. A friend of mine, actually, who's a school board trustee, her name is uh, Tiffany Ford. We joke around that she actually won her race. She's not related to them whatsoever. <laughs> she has no relation whatsoever. Tiffany Ford is a young black lady. She's uh, incredibly smart, well-educated, and has done a lot of community work. But we do kind of have fun at her expense, saying that, well, yeah, a good portion of those votes came because people thought you're related to one of the Fords. Did you ever think of changing your last name to Ford? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do drive a Ford Escape, so take that for what it's <laughs> And so um, tell us a little bit about your background and, and why you ended up deciding to run. Yeah, so really early on, nobody knew who I was. Not a whole lot of people were paying attention. I, I had written an article um, that actually went up in the Huffington Post-Canadian version. I had an altercation with Rob Ford where I was at a uh, local um, Canada Day festival. See, Canada Day comes right before um, Independence Day in the United States. We celebrate it on July the 1st. You all celebrate it on July the 4th. So for the Canada Day festival, I happen to be at this big community event called RipFest. And uh, so I'm walking around, handing out buttons and talking to people and shaking hands. And then I see this, like, this crowd of people and I see a bunch of cameras. And it's Rob Ford, and he's also shaking hands and talking to people. And it made me really upset that I saw a whole lot of black people there with him um, because Rob Ford has, is known for his, let's say, his racially colorful language. Uh, for example, community, community programs that we've, we've tried to push through in Toronto, he calls them hug-a-thug programs, and he always votes against community grants. And then, you know, he had referred to African Canadians as niggers. You had written about this in your piece. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, he, he said some pretty vile things. Um, so I, I walked up to him and I tapped him on the shoulder. I don't think he, re- he didn't know who I was. I think he thought I was another one of those people that was just looking for a selfie. So when I, when I talked to him, I put my arm around him and I said, hey, quick question. Uh, so when you refer to us as niggers and when you called our community grant programs, hug a thug programs, do you think that's something that you would want to apologize for? And he turns his head to me and you see this look come over his face like, what the hell is happening and who let this guy get close to me? <laughs> he shook his head and said, it's complicated. And then he walked away. Now, I come from, like I said, a Jamaican-Canadian family, and I think I have a bit too much of my grandmother in me. Um, we Jamaican-Canadians tend to be very upfront and confrontational. Uh, so, you know, when I, when I saw him, all of the things that he had said about my community and about people that I know and, you know, being in support of racial profiling, all these, like everything came to the forefront of my mind, and I said, no, that's it. I just got to go talk to this guy because I could not let that slide. I, I don't think I would have been able to live with myself if I didn't say something to him. All right, so in June of 2014, the news broke that Michael Ford, the nephew of Rob Ford, would be running for the city council seat. Now, this was not entirely unexpected. The current councilor was Doug Ford, Rob's brother. Are you confused yet? But Doug was running Rob's mayoral campaign, leaving the post open. Still, it was a bit odd because Michael Ford, he was all of 20 years old when he announced his candidacy. So you think you're going to run against Michael. Well, if you go in and then it looks like it's going to be Michael Ford. I go in, it looks like it's going to be myself against Michael Ford. And Michael Ford's this 20-year-old kid. I mean, come on. Yeah. That must, you must have felt like, oh, this is a cakewalk. At the door. People were saying the same thing at the door. Like, okay, well, 
I like Rob, but what does this kid even know? And, okay, sure, all right, tell me what you're about. Maybe I'll consider voting for you. And things were actually going fairly well. I mean, there was a pretty wide gap because people didn't know who Michael was. They didn't know who I was. As we did more canvassing and as we did more publicity stuff, and then the gap started narrowing and things were looking pretty good. And then suddenly Rob Ford decides he's going to jump into the War II race again and retain his seat as a city councilor rather than as a mayor. And that's where things went kind of sideways. You ultimately ran what I would consider two very different campaigns. One was when you thought Michael Ford was going to be your opponent, a 20-year-old kid. And then suddenly when it became clear that you were actually going to be going up against Rob Ford. So how did your mindset change when you found out that your opponent had changed? Okay, so that morning, um, my, my partner was actually heading to a wedding uh, in London. I was actually going to head out, out to uh, London, Ontario, which is a couple of hours away, uh, and attend the wedding with her. Um, and then we found out that there's a possibility he could enter the race, and I had to drop those plans. Um, as far as in knowing what to say to the media, because we thought, okay, if Rob Ford enters this race, we're going to have to be very media savvy about this. Um, we actually recruited the help from a, uh, from a, a trained publicist uh, to help us out with that. Um, and we knew that it was just going to be about headlines. You know, so rather than uh, keep everything focused on like trying to do local community events, we had to do events around Toronto to raise awareness of what it was happening out in War Two. So the fundraising got moved outside of Etobicoke proper and got moved into areas throughout the rest of Toronto. We really just had to make sure that people knew what was happening up in this neighborhood and knew that they could actually help stop Rob Ford dead in his tracks by supporting this campaign. So maybe this is a little simplistic, but it strikes me that some would prefer to go against a crack-smoking mayor who makes racially offensive, if not outright racist, statements in a campaign. He seems like an easy target, but knowing now that the Ford name carries such political weight in Toronto, perhaps you saw it differently. Not at all. It is not easy. Here's the thing. When you have somebody who is, I think black people, especially black Canadians, are, and I, I hate saying black Canadians because there are so many of us from so many different places. Canada's history of, of, of black settlement and population is far different than it is from the United States. So we've got people from everywhere. Um, but that said, uh, we're a lot more willing to forgive transgressions if we, we get the sense that you care about our community. And I think that's one thing that Rob Ford was able to do very well. He coached football at the local high school, at uh, Don Bosco High School. You know, he, uh, he actually would, like, stop at uh, Caravana, which is our, our large uh, cultural parade. It's the Caribbean-Canadian parade. You know, he would stop by there, and he would actually, like, get in the street and dance with people rather than being up in one of the, uh, the floats in one of the trucks and simply waving hello like the queen passing by. Um, you know, he actually spoke the dialect. He spoke Patois dialect, which you don't really hear that from white politicians at all. You don't even hear it from black politicians because we think that it's gauche. It's almost like... <laughs> African-American vernacular English, you know, nobody wants to bring that black dialect into politics. We think that it's gauche. So he did so many things. He, he was so masterful at code-switching and ingratiating himself with the local community that, sure, when you talk about his racial comments, when you talk about his drug habits and everything else, people were willing to look past that and forgive him because they considered him a, a fallible human being just like anybody else. And the community spent so much time embracing him that... You know, it's almost like, you know, when you think about, like, Bill Cosby or R. Kelly, people who developed really good reputations within the community that they belong to and then did something horrifically wrong, there's a lot of people that are just reluctant to let that go. they got to say, well, you have to separate the person from their profession. You have to separate Rob Ford, the person, from Rob Ford, the politician. It seemed like it surprised you or caught you off guard. At the same event where you confronted Rob Ford, you had said uh, in your article, I'll just read it, read it back to you, before I spoke with Rob Ford, I approached... 
uh, with a group of African-Canadian youth. They were the outside ring of the Ford Nation mob, smiling and cracking jokes to each other, taking up the cheer, Rob Ford, Rob Ford, Rob Ford. I watched the faces of these young people light up. I watched their sheer glee at being in the presence of the man who had made their reputations more tarnished, their futures more unstable, and their lives more dangerous. It turned my stomach. It, it seemed like you were surprised that there, that these people who you thought would be maybe natural allies weren't. It's one thing when you, when you hear about it. It's one thing when you hear that people support Rob Ford. It's another thing when you're actually watching it happen in real time right in front of the guy. And no one supports this community more than Rob Ford does. Out and about, Rob Ford does seem to enjoy an astonishing amount of support from African Canadians. So, I mean, I've spoken to people in the community who say, oh yeah, I love Rob Ford, I support Rob Ford. He's actually, you know, he's not one of those, uh, those, those lefty people that's just wasting all of our tax dollars. It's one thing when you have those individual conversations. It's another thing when you see the guy who in the previous week's headlines was quoted as using the word nigger, like he talks about being the most racist guy around. And you see a bunch of black youth cheering alongside him. Like, yeah, it does turn my stomach because I'm thinking, this dude doesn't care about you. He doesn't care whether you live or die. One of the interesting anecdotes that I read about in the campaign was that you would knock door to door doing this type of... Uh, sort of grassroots campaigning that you said you had to do if you wanted to win. And you go through these apartment. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Complexes. And the people really wouldn't give you much of a hearing. And it turns out that you know, videotape had, you know, uncovered Doug Ford handing out $20 bills to that same apartment complex. So you started at a literal and figurative deficit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have $20 bills to go hand out to people. I, I can't I can't literally buy votes. So unfortunately, I wasn't going to be able to win that way. <clears throat> but I, I think it kind of speaks to um, the retail brand of politics that works in certain communities. You know, Rob and Doug Ford, it, it, okay, for example, there was a playground um, that Rob Ford showed up at for the opening. And apparently he had donated a, a few thousand dollars of his own money to help this playground open up, for which people cheer and they clap and they say, well, you know, look, he's actually helping his community. And what they didn't know is that at city council, he had voted against funding for that very same playground to be refurbished. So it's almost like he doesn't want us to have anything that he didn't simply offer himself. Uh, so... Am I running at a deficit? Yes, absolutely. Did, I mean, did you experience any kind of racism just running as an immigrant yourself? Yeah, there was racism that I experienced uh, walking door to door. So, you know, there was a an Italian neighborhood that I was uh, I was knocking on doors for, and um, one guy uh, called, with the Italian word for eggplant, he called me a mooli and then shut the door. Uh, 
my partner at the time when she was knocking door to door in one uh, apartment building and she was handing out uh, flyers. Now she's mixed, so she passes as, as white. She's very light, very very light skinned. And uh, when she handed the flyer to uh, one of the residents, he took a look at the flyer and he looked up at her and he says, "Well, you know what? You know, good luck to your friend every, and everything, but if it ain't white, it ain't right." And he hands the flyer back to her and closes the door in her face. Do you think it's a problem? I mean, that was an issue in the campaign that Toronto uh, views itself as multicultural, as liberal, as progressive, when in fact you, you we have somebody like Rob Ford and, and all the experiences that you've experienced and others, that they just weren't willing to accept it, weren't willing to confront it. There is nothing more illustrative of Toronto's weird dichotomy with race and racism than if you go to City Hall, outside the mayor's office, there's a, a plaque with the city's motto, Diversity Our Strength. And then sitting right next to it, like our, our actual model for the city is diversity, our strength. Right next to that is a picture of city council. It's a, it's a portrait with all the councillors. And if you look at that portrait, you'll find one black man and one woman of color. The subtext under how multicultural and, Toron- and, and tolerant Toronto is, is that at least we're not gunning you down in the streets like they do to black people in the United States. You know, at least we're not like spray painting racist graffiti on your homes. At least we don't have a history of lynching you people. Because when you look at the power structures, if you look at, you know, people who occupy public office, people who are management or senior management and executives in our businesses, if you look at who the leadership in this country is, you do not see people of color. It is a sea of white faces. fall of 2014, Rob Ford announced he had cancer and was dropping out of the mayor's race. But he wasn't leaving politics entirely. Instead, Ford said he would take his nephew Mike's place on the ballot, pitting him against Domiz. When Rob Ford enters the race, you obviously had a strategic choice to make. Do you go after the issues of his drug abuse and of his character? And it seemed to me from reading some articles that you chose not to make that the primary issue. Absolutely not. Here's the thing. Um, As vile a human being as I think Rob Ford is and can be, I would never go after somebody with an addiction. I mean, I'll put it this way. You know, when I was young, my mother worked in group homes, and I, I was around a lot of people who, you know, uh, lived on the street, had addictions and so forth. And, but when they were in the home, they were the, the nicest people. You know, it, having an addiction is a disease. I'm not going to go after somebody for having a disease, just like I wouldn't go after him for having cancer. I wouldn't go after him for having an addiction to alcohol and drugs. Um, I think that that's completely off base. And what does that indicate? Like, what does that signal to other people in my own community who are dealing with the exact same problems? So, no, I, I stayed far, far away from that. And not to sound so insensitive, but couldn't you have made the case that uh, as someone on the public dime that he had misused taxpayer funds by being distracted with his addiction? Uh, well, absolutely. And he did, uh, to a great extent. I mean, I've heard some stories that didn't even make the press as to what it was he was doing while he was on public time. Do you but want to tell I, us those stories? <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> our, our, our libel and slander laws are a lot stronger up here in Canada than they are Fair in the enough. U.S. But, was um, but, but uh, to, to, I, I don't know. I, I think to do that would be, it, all it would do is just galvanize more support on his side. It's just beating up on a guy who's already down on his luck. 
and uh, for me for me to go after it's not the same as it is in the United States. You know, um, Anthony Weiner got brought down by uh, you know his his habits. Um, David Vitter got brought down, brought down by his habits. I don't think that that would even really happen up here. For the, for the record, David Vitter survived, but he almost got brought down by his habits. Okay, yeah, true, true. true. He yeah. had he had a pretty rough go of it. Yes. Um, you know, but uh, sorry, the uh, the governor of one of your states, I forget his name offhand. You know, Elliot uh, Spitzer. No, it wasn't. Well, Spitzer too, but uh, the guy. I, there is a bunch of them. <laughs> we, get, we get the point here. The one who hiked the, one who hiked the Appalachian Trail. Ah, oh. oh, Mark Sanford in South Carolina. That's right. Mark How Sanford dare you? Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> so, yeah, so in the United States, we are more moralistic, basically. Right. We're getting more, more trouble, maybe. <laughs> moralism that exists in the U.S., and I think it does here. A lot of our, you know, there's a lot of um, very open, uh, as far as like addiction, as far as um, undercover lives and all that, a lot of that happens up here. People will whisper about it, but they will never bring it into news media because that's just not what we talk about up here. Um, I think we're a lot more understanding that people aren't perfect. And to be a politician, you don't have to be a saint. So for me to do that, I think, would just work against me. But was there discussions when he, when he entered among your campaign staff about how to handle him? really go on was how much he'd hurt the community. You know, going after his, his, uh, his addiction and all that other stuff, it, it just wouldn't work. And, it, you know, it would look bad on me. And it, also, it would also go against my own moral principles. I don't think that, um, I, I, just, I just don't believe in that whatsoever. All we could really talk about is, you know, what he's actually done to damage the community. And it's really hard to prove a negative because you can't show, like, hey, you don't have access to transit. You don't have community centers in this neighborhood. You don't have daycare access. All you can talk about is what we don't have compared to what the rest of Toronto does have. And it's so difficult to prove that negative that, you know, it's, especially when you're competing against international headlines, that was pretty tough. How did you find out, and when, when in the campaign uh, did the news break that he was diagnosed with cancer? Uh, that was, I mean, um, that was a few days before uh, the decision was made to have him withdraw from the mayor's race and then jump into the city council race. In a statement today, Rob Ford said, People know me as a guy who faces things head-on and never gives up. Now I could be facing the battle of my lifetime, and I want the people of Toronto to know that I intend to face this challenge head-on and win. During the, uh, the campaign itself, I mean, he wasn't able to, like, you know, uh, go out in the neighborhood or talk to anybody because he was undergoing chemotherapy. Well, was there any attacks that you made about four where you felt like you were maybe, or things that you did in relationship to him where you felt like you might have um, hurt yourself? Uh, there was the one thing that we did, which in retrospect, I think that, you know, we probably should have um, done it privately. But, uh, you know, when we uh, found out he was diagnosed with cancer and everything else, um, I took some flowers to his home, and uh, my publicist called up the press and said, hey, by the way, Andre's going to deliver flowers to Rob Ford's home just to show that, you know, um, you know, it, it, granted it's a, it's a tough political race, but we're all on the same side here. And why did delivering flowers backfire? Because uh, people took it the wrong way. They thought I was just trying to get some headlines for myself or try to get attention for myself. I mean, by that point, we had already, I think, generated more than enough publicity. I was giving interviews on uh, local news and uh giving interviews in local papers about how much this neighborhood needs help and how much uh, Ford has basically stalled this community, stopped us from being able to progress. So I was, we were okay on the headline front, and we were okay as far as, like, getting donations and raising awareness. Um, it really was, it, it really was intended just to be a nice gesture. Um, but that's, that's how it can look. It's all, it's all a matter of optics. 
And and when he when he jumped in the race, did you suddenly get an influx of funding of money from all parts of Toronto? And you know, with those donations, often comes advice. And I'm curious as to what kind of advice you got from people about how to attack the Ford, how to attack the Ford dynasty, how to attack Rob Ford. Yeah, the advice was go after his drug habits. To which I said no. <laughs> did the pressure mount to do that? I mean, as the sort of campaign wore on, I'm wondering if you were ever tempted to to say anything about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, people would ask me about it. They would ask, I mean, you know, just as you have, uh, when I went for interviews or when I when I spoke to the newspapers, people would ask me, well, what do you think about the drug habit? And i say, well, I think he's a person that has the disease, and, and we have to respect that. You know, so, yeah, there was a lot of pressure to go after what I think were easy targets and soft targets, but I just, I have to be able to live with myself afterwards, and I wouldn't be comfortable um, with who I am as a human being and as a person, uh, valuing the kind of things that I value, if I'm going to go attack somebody for having a disease. What about just the fact that he had made, well, I mean, I guess you kind of did this, but he had become absent his drug habits, sort of an embarrassment for the city. Oh, and the last thing was um, Olivia Gondak. It, it says that I wanted to eat her pussy, Olivia Gondak. I've never said that in my life to her. I would never do that. I'm happily married. I've got more than enough to eat at home. Thank you very much. He'd become this spectacle, this buffoon, celebrity-type person. Did that become a campaign issue? It did, but what were we supposed to do about that in a neighborhood where people love him regardless? It's like the more that, you know, the rest of Toronto attacked Rob Ford, the more popular he got inside of Rexdale, which is worth too. Yeah, he, he, um, he seemed to do a good job of playing the victim, too. I'm embarrassed, not just myself, my family, my friends, my supporters, the whole city. I take full responsibility for that. We've all made mistakes, Matt. I'm not perfect. Maybe you are, maybe other people are. He was able to paint himself as such a victim as the rest of, uh, to the rest of Toronto. You know, they're just picking on him. He's undergoing a disease. And can't you just mind your business? We'd like our privacy right now. It's really funny. They would talk about how much the Ford campaign needs their privacy. And yet they would issue press releases while he's in the hospital. I mean, he played that victim card so skillfully to the point where um, people who were running against him during the time he was running for mayor could not talk about it in the debates, town halls and everything. They did not address it. Because every time that somebody would bring this up, they would say that he's just bullying, or they're just bullying somebody uh, that's dealing with a very serious illness. So were you basically uh, destined to lose? It sounds like that. Uh, I wouldn't say I was destined to lose, but I think that it was, it was definitely an uphill battle. Well, do you think that maybe you were just too nice? <laughs> Politics is tough, and the Fords are really I, tough. No, it's, really fu- it's, it's funny. I think if you asked around Toronto, they wouldn't exactly describe me as a nice person. I... I'm also a uh, you know civil rights advocate, and you know when I when I talk about things like uh, policing, racial profiling, sure. uh, when it comes to the prison system, like I'm very very but that, not nice on those matters. But what about uh, I mean, maybe you were too nice to the Fords. Uh, I think people understand my point of view on this. It, it, some, coming as somebody that's a social progressive, I don't think anyone's ever accused me of being too nice to the Fords, and I should have gone after his addictions. I think everyone that's spoken to me uh, personally or has like written to me understands that, like, yeah, this is the kind of person you are, so I know that you're not going to talk about that. Do people who are not sort of attuned to Toronto politics and what the Ford name means in the city, would they come up to you and ever say, man, how did you lose to the crack-smoking mayor? Uh, No, I think people in Toronto know well enough what this guy is capable of. I mean, he was running really, really strong, Um, even while he was still running for mayor. I mean, he started off you know, practically dead last in the polls among, among major contenders. And then he worked his way back up into second place. People understand that the Ford phenomenon in Toronto, is it's a juggernaut. It's a media and financial juggernaut. Um, 
So, yeah, I don't think anybody ever came up and... But what about people outside Toronto? I mean, they probably don't understand the nuance. No, they... Uh, the only thing that I've ever, ever gotten from people outside Toronto was like, man, you know, good on you. I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have done that. Even people from outside Toronto, um, you know, uh, that I've spoken to in, like, Quebec, Alberta, B.C., um, I think they understand that, like, yeah, that was a really, really far uphill battle. Uh, it's only Americans, you know, who are ignorant of Canadian politics that have asked me that kind of question. <laughs> well, I just asked you the question, I guess. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just playing with you. So I come away from this with a better sense of word, too, but I'm perplexed at something. Obviously, Rob Ford, as a national or international figure, I should say, comes across as a buffoon, very, very for better or worse. But why are you here? What good could come of this? Have you ever seen this show? No, because I, I, I had some crazy guy call me on my cell phone and say, this is Jimmy Kimmel. Well, I want you to come on the show. So He has, you know, a bad drug addiction, which may or may not be politically an issue, but it certainly, we can say, affects his job. You've made a compelling case that he has been very bad for the city of Toronto and that they could be far better off with better political leadership but they still routinely choose him for a variety of reasons. So my question is, will the city of Toronto and Ward 2 specifically ever break free of the Ford influence? People say in Ward 2 that it's easier to get your hands on a gun than on a job. It's, it's that bad. And there have to be people who stand up locally to try and do something to help the community, uh, to, uh, to bring some publicity, to bring some charity dollars, to create programs, something. Until that happens, I don't think the area is ever going to break free of the forts until the forts themselves decide that they've, you know, this is this is uh, no longer enough for them. Um, so no, I'm 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 pretty pessimistic about that. That was Andre Demise, the man who took on Toronto's former mayor, Rob Ford, and lost. Now, one year after Ford won that race, he was diagnosed again with cancer. However, he's still politically active, and in January of 2016, he tweeted that his name would be on the ballot when Toronto elects a new mayor in 2018. Now, a huge thanks as well to Christine Canetta, our fearless editor of this podcast, and to my co-host, Jason Cherkis. You can find Candidate Confessional on iTunes or on thehuffingtonpost.com. As always, tune in next week when we interview Richard Carmona, the guy who ran for Arizona Senate and lost. Till then, happy trails. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 